That's dope. That's how I like to see. Yo, what's good? This is Dylan from Producer Grind. Yeah, we in here. Let's go. Yo, what's good? This is Dylan from Producer Grind. Welcome back to another episode of the Producer Grind Podcast. Boy, letter L in the building as usual. Yo, what's good, man? I'm a little tired from yesterday, bro. We was in the studio all day. Too much content. A lot of content going on. Hell we yeah. had a uh, cast from Ear Drummers in. We had Sniper Gang in the building. So I, I was telling Kale we we almost need to like take next week off. We got so much shit done. Yeah, yeah. basically, man. But uh, now nah, we don't keep grinding though, because that's how we do. Producer yeah, grind, man. That's what it is, man. But um, yo, man, we sit next to a legend right now. I'm really happy to have this man in the building, man. Um, let me run this guy's credits down real quick, because I mean, um, you know, when somebody's worked with so many people, you've lost count. I, I just want to do them justice um, and just give you a few, a few, and this is a lot for just a few, two chains. We got Eminem, we got The Game, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, DJ Khaled. This man has worked with Fabulous, Ludacris, Meek Mill, Fat Joe and the Terror Squad, Nicki Minaj, Chris Brown, Casanova, Lil Dicky, Ace Hood, Royce the Five Nine, Jewel Santana, Demi Lovato and Sky Zoo, please welcome into the building Street Runner, man. Yes, and that was just some of them. That was just some of them, man. <laughs> it, it, the, the credits go so deep, man. But thank you yeah. for coming on the show, bro. For, 14 years. 14 years. Producer uh, yeah. grind right there. Well, there it is, man. <laughs> and I remember coming to the house, man, seeing all those plaques. Like, I never yeah. walked into producer's house with that many plaques, for sure. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. So for people who may not know the story, man, you know, we're familiar because we're, you know, we're really into the culture, man. But can you please just tell us a little bit about your story, um, where you're from, how you guys started producing? I mean, I'm from Miami, Florida. Um, I got I got started producing like like as a kid, I just embraced like just the DJ culture, <laughs> just music, just rap music, hip hop and um just got into it, man. Just got my first set of turntables. Try to, I, I was really trying to dive in and become this battle DJ. And just like, I was, re- yo, I, that movie Juice changed my life. Like, I always, <laughs> yeah. I always loved like rap music, like from, from like the early 90s, like as a little, little kid, yeah. like in elementary school and, and shit. Like, I always loved rap music. But then, like, <clears throat> by the time I was in middle school, like that, that movie Juiced, that was it. It was a rap. All of a sudden, I was like, yo, I need two turntables. I need two of those joints. Yeah. Just like, just like, homie, that that was it. Like, there was no other, like, you know, real influence. You know, I, I wasn't in New York City. I didn't get to, like, be on, like, the same block as, like, 100 DJs in yeah. New York. You know, this is, this is South Florida, like. You know, we had a couple legends that were DJs, but it wasn't on that level. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. of like the hip hop scene, like really scratching and battling and stuff like that. So, you know, I got on, I got on, I got, I got my turntables, I got my mixer, and I just started trying to do that. Like I, I put all like I put a good two, three years of just like trying to do that. And then um, you know, through through listening to so much rap music and becoming more and more of a fan, especially coming into the to the late nineties, yeah. you know, the mid to late nineties <clears throat> with music <clears throat> is when I really started like uh, grasping the fact that like certain guys were super producers. They weren't, there wasn't a title super producer at that time, but mm-hmm. to me in my mind, like I would get a, get an LP, get a 12 inch vinyl, I'd play it. And I'd be like, yo, this track's so hot. Look at the credits, boom, Pete Rock remix. Mm-hmm. Yo, this track's so hot. Produced by DJ Premier. Yo, this track's so hot. Boom, Havoc. You know, like, you know, RZA, whatever. Like, all the woo stuff. Like, all the stuff that influenced me. 
And I was just like, yo, I started putting it together. But then like in my head, Swizz Beats was yeah. the one that really put it together. Swizz, and it was a close second with Pharrell because those were the two guys that like expanded, like um, not just as a group, like not, not just with their group, but like they were getting on like all my favorite albums. Like I would get the, I got the N-O-R-E album, boom, Swizz, Band From TV. I got the Cameron album, boom, Swizz, Glory. Mm. Uh, got the DMX <laughs> album, boom, Swizz, Rough Riders Anthem. And I'm like, mm. yo, the dude who's making my favorite track on all these albums is the same guy, mm. but he's not with like Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Havoc and Prodigy, Mob Deep, RZA, Wu-Tang Clan. Like he's expanded. Out. And I know Biggie and Nas were like um, guys who were like first like hip hop rappers that like expanded out and not just used one producer, you know what I'm saying? But like, I feel like Swizz really put the stamp on it. And then like, and then it was like eventually like Manny Fresh and obviously like Timbaland and like the culture just continued to push forward. And yeah. then you had the super producer, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, once that light bulb went off in my head, I was like, yo, I was all in. Like by 98, I had my first drum machine, mm. which was the SB1200 because like, I didn't know shit about shit. Yeah, so yeah. I could curse on the show. Yeah, like, you say whatever yeah. the fuck you want to say. <laughs> That's what's up. Okay. Um, so I didn't know shit. So like, I couldn't, I couldn't go on a YouTube. There was no YouTube. All I had was like, whatever was in the double XL that I read, whatever was in the source magazine that I read. So if I read, Pete Rock was on a SB1200 or RZA was on whatever. I was like, this, what this, this is the type yeah. of gear I need to get. You know what I'm saying? So like SB1200 was my first piece. Cause like I, I was big on, on, on like what Pete Rock was doing and the sound that, you know, some of the, you know, come to find out some of my favorite tracks by Easy Mo B was made mm-hmm. on SB1200. He, he gets know, busy with he that gets for busy. Real. Yeah, he's done some very, very uh, intricate shit on the SB1200. What was the, what's the sample time on that? Eight seconds. Eight seconds. Eight seconds, so get... and I think you might could expand it to 12 seconds. But with more RAM or something mm-hmm. like that? With some kind of expansion. But like, you, that's one thing, like the year that I put in on the SB1200 and only being able to use eight <clears> seconds, <throat> By the time I jumped on the MPC 2000 XL, which was the following year, I got my first 2000 XL in 99. That's the classic joint. That's yeah. that's my shit. So like that right there, like, you know, I think I was like uh, in high school and I, I was like, yo, I got to get this MPC 2000 XL. <laughs> like, I think I read it in a magazine somewhere, Swiss Beats was using it. And yeah. it, I was like, yo, this is it. Like, so I saved up, I copped it. How much were they back then? Oh, I think I got it for like, it was like 1500 It wasn't yeah. cheap. Like, it wasn't like, even the SB1200, that shit was old. And that shit was like $1,200, $1,100, dollars And that shit was already old when I bought it. And, um, and yo, I brought the, I brought the SB1200 home and I went to turn it on, think, think it was plug and play and get ready. Yeah. Yo, so I was like, I was like, yo, I'm going to make a beat tonight. <laughs> yo. You, they didn't tell you when you bought that shit, you needed load up disc. The shit doesn't function. It's like a car with no engine yeah. without the load up disc. Airbone yeah. type shit. Yo, you, you got to literally put a disc in it and then take it out and then you can start making a beat. Like a blank disc or you got to buy it from there? You, a formatted disc mm. just to start the machine up. Because if you turn that bitch on, it just turns on 
but you can't do nothing. Mm. Like one it's of like, the old ass computers. Yo, it's crazy. <clears throat> so like my I forget who did it, but one of my mans had to go. Like we we were trying to get a little just from a homie that we knew had an SB twelve hundred, and he was kind of being funny style because back then like it was real competitive. Like oh mm-hmm. somebody else got one of these, I right, I ain't gonna live. <laughs> so my man's went and muscled him for his load up test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was like, no, nah, motherfucker, I'm taking that load up Savage. disc. He, yeah. I don't even know what he took. He just took took his took his took some shit from him. And, yeah. But luckily we put it in and 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 it started up after he muscled him for it. It started up. And then from there on, I got disc and I just formatted like a shit ton of disc mm-hmm. just to have like just in case I lost one, boom, the machine will always work because I have a yeah. hundred of them. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But that's how dumb equipment was back then. Um, but you know, you know, that's 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 the difference. Like that's that's part of the producer grind. Like, you know, nowadays kids they they got their mom's laptop, they ain't putting that work, man. Like <laughs> they they drop a, a hundred dollar program in. Not they even, man, it's beats. crack ninety nine percent of the time. Well, that's why I be tripping with cats be like, Well, can you start this crack for me? Like, bro, do you yeah, know that's I why have... that's why, yo, I you won't see a street runner sound kit like I'm a I might put a sound kit out this year, and that is if the money's right. But like, you won't see a street runner sound kit. People ask me all the time, "Yo, let me get a, let me get a street runner sound kit." This, this, and that. I'm like, man, I am not giving you my sounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I have I have a certain value to what I do yeah. with my sounds, my drums, and I'm not just gonna give them away. Like, mm. it don't make sense. Um, so like, yeah, to you know, getting off the subject though. But like basically, I got the NPC 2000 Excel, and then anybody who was a rapper that wanted a rap at that point, and I knew him, I was like, just yo, let's go, let's rap, let's, you know, I was just trying to build my sound, craft yeah. my style, get get in with whatever rapper there was, and like by like 2001, 2002, I, I got with some pretty decent rappers who were like getting like, you know, artists like Mr. Cheeks. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, other guys on my track. So it's starting to like build up a little resume for me. But like, then it came to a point where I outgrew that situation. And I felt like my sound, like after like three years, my sound was getting like a little more authentic, a little more right for these these streets and what we could possibly do. So I started like trying to expand my 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 hustle to like New York and like get in like, you know, the first meeting I ever took, rest in peace, was with with Ice Pick from Rough Riders, mm. and like, you know, this man like didn't. I was nobody, mm. and he took a meeting with me, and he showed love, and like, um, and and you know, we were playing my beats, and he was like, "Yo, this one would be good for X. This one would be oh, good wow. for Jada Kiss. Oh, this one would be good for the Locks." So I, I was like, I knew at that point I was on the right path. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to keep doing. And I never stopped from there. Mm. So like, and then, you know, Ice Pick gave me some advice because, you know, I was young and I was like, yo, you got some advice for me? And the man said, persistence over resistance. Mm -hmm. And I've lived with that ever since, you know what I'm saying? And um, that was it, man. I, I knew from then on, like when I came back from that trip from New York, you know, like, I knew from then on that I was just gonna focus on shopping these tracks, getting in with whoever I could get in with. And um, it was shortly after that is when I met um, my my guy, J-Rob. 
and I explained, I explained and expressed my vision and, and he saw it. Like he heard the tracks, he heard the music I was making and he saw the vision. He, he was like, yo, you're dope. I can help you with this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I can help you with this movement. So we started making t-shirts and we were like pumping out beats for anybody who would rap on it. And like, especially in Miami, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was kind of limited, but we were still getting it in. Like at that point I was like, I, I had like, you know, diplomats on like, you know, camera on dipset on a couple of joints out on the streets. Um, I had ransom from uh, a team uh, from back then. He was, he was kind of, he was kind of killing the streets with his music. And like, I was just continuing to just grind it out. Like whoever wanted to rap on my shit, let's go. And, um, you know, it was, it was when my man J-Rob took me to Cool's house. And it was literally, I, I want to say, actually, it might have been Cool's mom's house. <clears throat> he had a studio. They called it the record room. He had a studio in the garage and it was just filled with records. So it was like an obvious title for the, for the, for the studio name. And it was just like real like gutter, like cool, cool and Dre spot was real gutter, but dope at the same time. Like it, it had a certain yeah. vibe. And um, and we went we went in and like cool was like, yo, come back. I listen to your shit, come back, come back, uh, you know, this next day, boom. We went back, played them joints, and he was like, yo, your shit is fire. And I was like, yo, I appreciate it. And at that time, cool and Dre. Definitely top of the food chain in Miami yeah, when it came to yeah. producing. This was like, they were already on the Fat Joe. By 99, Cool and Dre was already on Fat Joe's um, Jose album, mm -hmm. which was like, to me, one of the most legendary Fat Joe albums. Mm -hmm. So they were on it. And they had like this soulful vibe on there. And this was 1999. So I was like, yo, these, these are the guys. And at that point, I think they already produced another entire album with Fat Joe since then. And they were like... Any 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 artist that was trying to be somebody in in Miami had a Cool and Dre track mm -hmm. or or something to do with Cool and Dre, and then you would see them on loose loose other releases. You see their names, and I would I was like, I'm in the right I'm in the <clears> right you know, you know I'm in the right spot right now. This is the right move. So Cool hit me maybe like I want to say Cool hit me like I want to say like. A few weeks later, <clears throat> yo, hold this track. Mm -hmm. This track right here, this 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 track is gonna be a problem. Like, this is gonna be a big look. Don't give it to nobody. And then um, I wanna say like a couple weeks after that, we that's when we found out Fat Joe wants to use it as a single for the Terror Squad album. And I don't think at this point he had leaned back. I think he, yeah, he didn't have lean. He might have had the beat, because Joe Joe was somebody who would collect the beat and and then and then know that that's gonna be a smash. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's always been that. Yeah, I remember way. you told me last time you said he's got the crazy ear. Yeah, so so he he always been that way because I was there for the recording of Lean Back, so I know he didn't have it fully finished yet. Mm. Um, so like you know, um, you know. Long story short, uh, eventually my man's another another homie, rest in peace, Mike Beck. Um, key players in my life passed that that took me in a certain direction. But Mike Beck was like, "Yo, if you want to meet Fat Joe, be at this club right now." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, get to this club right now. 
if you want to meet Fat Joe, yo, I flexed. Like, I, I threw on my clothes. I, I, I got there so damn quick. And my man's Mike Beck, he, he came downstairs. He got me in and, and brought me right up into VIP with Fat Joe. And that's the yeah. night I actually met DJ Khaled and Fat Joe at the same time. And and Mike Beck, he's, he's funny. He was like, he takes me right to Joe and he was like, yo, Joe, this is the man right here. This is the man I've been telling you about. This is the man who produced that track. You know, and Joe was like, what? I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I was like, all right, cool, man. So let, let's let's build, man. Let's 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 get up. Word. And then I told Khaled, I was like, yo, Khaled, like I would love to, you know, play you some shit. Cause you know, Khaled was the man, like he, he, you know, he was killing shit on the radio at that point. Oh, he was like a, a radio DJ at that yeah, point. Yeah, radio DJ, but killing it. Word. He didn't have an album at all, but he was killing shit. And he was, I believe he was making beats too as well. So like, but like I exchanged contact numbers with with um Khaled and Khaled was like, yo, we're going to be in the studio tomorrow. Hit me up. You could come by. And I was like, all right, cool. So I called Khaled the next day. And that's when I got the invite to the studio. And um, I started hearing the song. Started, I think that was the day that they were recording Lean Back. Mm. And that's when, like, the rest is pretty much history. That's when the the rest, I was just starting to build with, with them and meeting everybody and just, just getting familiar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's how the, the Take Me Home. That's how, yeah, Take Me Home kind of came, came into play. And. That was like my first placement ever, you know what I'm saying? Like in a major, like when, like I went to the stores, I bought that album. That was like the first yeah. joint, you know what I'm saying? Like, like With my just, name and the credits and everything. All right, so that kind of takes us to the the Take Me Home record, which was kind of right. like the first big one, right? And so as I was saying, like that was like in my life personally, that was like kind of a big record. And I was just saying, like the week, um, I remember the week that song came out. I was in college, we threw a house party. We just kept playing that song back right. to back, and like people kept coming up to us, like, "Yo, like, like really, like, a, like, like a lot of girls were like, "Yo, keep playing that song, keep playing that song." And so can you kind of talk about um, the process of making that song, shopping for the record, the sample, and everything. I mean, yo, straight straight up, another rest in peace, Blue Note record store. I, everything's just gone nowadays. But yo, I went into this, this record store, Blue Note Records, and um, I would dig there all the time. And they started to notice that. And they were like, yo, you come here a lot. We're going to put you on. And they were like, they gave me like an invite to their warehouse. Oh, wow. Which this place was like... Stupid. Like you ever like you you go to a record store is already stupid because yeah, it's yeah. so much shit. But yo, you <clears> go to the warehouse where they keep all their shit, like all the bullshit. So like was it like ten times? Oh like, what, man, a hundred times. Sheesh. So I was just like, it was overwhelming, but I had a lot of time on my hands at yeah, that point in my yeah. life. So I was just like, fuck it, let's go. Let me let me do it. And then I went there and they had an addict. And it was just filled with crates and crates of records. And I was just digging and shit. And that was that was one of the records that I got from that day. And it caught my eye. And yo, literally, like, got that joint. The next day, when I got home, I flipped the sample. Yeah. Shit came out crazy. Like, I knew that shit was going to be fire. Like, I, I was actually, when I was making the beat, I was thinking Dipset. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I was yeah. thinking Killer Cam, yep. Dipset, Take Me Home. That was like the sound, yeah. I know, you know, they had that vibe on Smash. So I was thinking Dipset all day. Uh, so I'm not even going to lie and say that I made the, 
the beat for Fat Joe. But like it was a blessing that it got into Fat Joe's hands and he mm-hmm. was able to like make a make a little hit record out of it. Um so yeah, man, that's that's basically how it all came down. And and that record, that track is straight up vinyl to turntable to sampled in an MPC 2000 XL. All the drums, everything in the MPC 2000 XL and then formatted into a song on the MPC 2000 XL and then to Pro Tools to be recorded and made the song. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like wow. nothing else. It was just it was a different it, time. <laughs> yeah, because like I think that I think the song might have had maybe like eight tracks to it when it was the beat. Yeah. Like, you know, that was when we could like the sound was like, you know, when you had a soul sample or a sample, it was kind of the meat of the 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 track. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You just needed some good drums and shit. I always had 808s on my stuff. So like that's kind of why. It has a little knock to it, and that was kind of not a lot of people were doing that at that time, right? Yeah, because like, like yeah. I didn't, I guess my I might not have known better, you know what I'm saying? And I never, yo, it's crazy. I never liked the way a live bass sounded. Really? I never liked live bass, like somebody coming in. Oh, and I love that shit. playing yeah. a live bass. I never liked it. I felt like, I felt like, um, I actually, you know, what's funny is I think Cool and Dre might have added a live bass to it. And I think even Dre was like, yo, you like the live bass on there? I was like, not really. I don't know if they ended up keeping it or not. I can't recall. And I also haven't really listened to the beat in a long ass time and thought about it. Did you filter the bass line from the, the sample? No, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Just used the sample straight up as, as it was off the vinyl. And I didn't even tweak or EQ that. And yeah. then... You know, I, I did some 808s on it, or eight, bass 808 sounds and, and and kick drum snare. I think I might have used uh, a time <clears throat> on there, hat. When you That's sample it. into the MPC, do you go and move the cursors or do you sample in the parts that you know you want kind of using the start and stop? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, when I did, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't been on a 2000 Excel in a long time. Uh, it's been like, I think I stopped using it in 2012. Mm-hmm. I still got beats on there though. Still got heat on there that eventually, like sometimes I have to like go back and mm. transfer the Pro Tools. But um, yeah, no, nah, I I would sample parts that I liked and then also do the trimming. So you you do it both ways, yeah, really. Yeah. Like there's no there's no rules to it. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Going back to um, you know, you're talking about your come <clears> up <throat> and and uh, you know, meeting Fat Joe, meeting Cal and everything. Right. The theme of that, what you were saying, kind of um stuck out to me was relationship building. Oh, hell and, yeah. And to me, Crucial. I've been I've been learning how much more important that is, you know, just just yeah. like naturally just, you know, learning it. And uh, I, I get a lot of people that DM me, come in my live, like, bro, how do I get placements? How do I get placements? So talk to, uh, tell us a little about your advice or what you would say uh, to these upcoming producers on how to build relationships. I mean, yo, it, it's crucial. And, and, you know, it took it took a while for me to mature into somebody who can build relationships with certain people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit of a hardhead when I first came in the game. And like, you know, my first song being Terror Squad's Take Me Home, you know, when Cool and Dre were the bigger producers, they they were getting all the credit, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I would pick up a magazine and Take Me Home and it would be like talking about Cool and Dre and what they did on it. Mm-hmm. And like, I would trip out, you know what I'm saying? But like, as I mature, like, like, I realized, yo, it was just all part of the game. Like it was all part of the process. Mm-hmm. And like back then I was a little more of a knucklehead about it. It might've hurt me a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But like, 
it, it was only to a certain point, you know what I'm saying? I never disrespected nobody. I never like, you know, you know, called anybody names or anything like that. But I, I, as I matured and realized that, yo, it's just part of the game. This is just the hustle. Like, you know, that's just one of many joints you're going to end up doing. Like, especially to me, like, um, fucking take me home is a small, small, you know, it's 1% of my career, just like on the board, you know what I'm saying? It's 1% of my 24 hours, if even, you know what I'm saying? Like at this point, and it's going to get even smaller and smaller. So like, you can't, you can't be, you can't let one record hold up what you could potentially have with business relationships. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that's that's a very mature street runner saying that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, if if people have that mature level level now, and in coming in, into the game, yeah. And and you know, of course, you want to make sure your business is right because my business was all always pretty good for the record in the scheme of things. I had like great share on it, even though it had a sample, it was like, it was, everything was good. So, you know- How much did they take good. for the, the owner of the sample? How much oh, no, take? that sample hit us. I think it took like like 75%. So Sheesh. don't sample that sample. <laughs> like, yeah, it was stupid. Like, and that was my, not only was it like my first placement, it was like, welcome to the sample game. You're getting fucked. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like- Wasn't even expecting it, bro. Nah, I was like, a sample is going to take like, 20%, whatever. Yeah. We just used this. Nah. Because Storch was cleaning up at that time. And that's one of the reasons why he wasn't sampling. Nah, he wasn't sampling. I I, I guess I, there was a few guys. Swizz was killing it. He 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 was doing a lot of sample free shit. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> like um, definitely th- that was my introduction to how samples can fuck you over. Yeah. But talk, talk, talk us more about like the relationship building. So if you were, you know, a guy just starting out and you didn't live in a major city like Atlanta where there was a lot of music scene going on or LA or right. New York, Miami, what, what would you do to kind of break in and be like, yo, I'm here. I got heat. Man, that, that, that is a tough call. Like you definitely need to go into those cities. You definitely need to try to meet up with artists in those cities or come go to the city closest to you that gets the hot shit like mm. cracking with whether it's in the studio or whatever you need to build those relationships network um i guess these kids today <clears throat> they're, they're gonna be on the dm shit they're gonna be reaching out on twitter and instagram and 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 whatever they can to email a beat and and there's plenty of successful guys out there that that email tracks and and get shit Get shit um, cracking with that, but I know for a fact it's the guys that like actually um, go on the scene or go check the artists or go like get with a, a, a group or, or a rapper or a rap artist or just artists in general early in the game on their come up and then just build their expand from there. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's some producers that strictly work with just one artist yeah. and you never even see them on anybody else's album. Like an in-house producer kind of guy. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's options like that, blowing up an artist on your own. Like you know investing in stock, buying low. Right. <laughs> see, like this is like, I'm going to give you a good example. My producer, Tariq Azuz, signed to me. He's in Paris, France. I was going to say, it's the guy overseas you were talking about. Yeah. He's in Paris, France. So, for him to get music popping in the States would be very difficult, you know what I'm saying? Unless he was out here all the time. Yeah. But he loves being in, in France. Hmm. He loves he loves his city. He loves where he's at. And I don't blame him. So, but luckily, he invested in, in himself. 
he got it to where he he got my ear by investing in in, in himself. Mm-hmm. And then when um, I pressed play on his music, I was like, "Yo, this guy makes beats like me. <laughs> this is like this this is like uh, my fucking uh, prodigy or what, protege. 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 Yeah. I, I wouldn't even say my my protege. It was almost like." listening to my own shit, like a reflection of my my shit. So I was like, yo, this is so dope. So I started chopping it up. And this is this is a great, great key on on, on relationship building. Not only was he a dope producer, but he was a cool motherfucker. That's huge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I really vibed with him. Like I never met this guy in my life and he he took the chance to 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 fly all the way to Miami from Paris and like rent out a house for, I think he did, rented a house out for a month. Jeez. And then he took a bus from his house because he was like, he didn't want to put me out in any way. Yeah. Even though his house was maybe like a 15 minute drive from me, he took a two hour bus to to get to me. Because yes. mm-hmm. he didn't want to put me out of my way. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to get to you. Word. And this is a guy from France who's never been in the United States ever in his life. And he took took that that ride to get to me, figured yeah. it all out on his own. So when he got to me, it was like, it was like, all right, cool. We we just started vibing and 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 you know, he he brought me a gift of some records. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I was like, all right, I he did it right. Some thing. some like rare French shit. He, he brought, yeah, he brought a stack of 45s. And I think one, I think one or two like with like some dope shit. So like I was like, all right, I'm I'm fucking with this guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. And then then we just started building and and we started working while he was out there and we we hung out a lot. We were like building and working a lot while he was out there that that first time. And I think like through that relationship of just like being cool and being like just letting me knowing that I'm gonna be the I'm gonna take this to the next level. He he was just like really hands off with that and it was just like. You do it. You you make it happen. I'm here. Whatever you need. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying. Yeah. So we we um, you know, we went on. I think about a, a year run, and I think like I finally got the first the first placement with something we did together, <clears throat> and then I got a couple more after that, and I was like, yo, I just want to show and prove that I can do this. Yeah, I would like you to sign to me, and I knew I was signing the right guy because I. I wasn't gonna just sign somebody because they made dope beats. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't do that. Like you can make the dopest beats in the world, but if you're a fucking asshole, I don't wanna sign. The vibes gotta be there. The vibes gotta be there. Like I'm not and and I'm not I'm not a collector. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to collect an artist, collect the producer and 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 just have everybody sign to me and, and be that guy. I need I need quality, I need cool people, I need the right vibe, and and he fit every every single credential you could possibly have. Like, so it sounds so. like what he did is he found his in, like he, he got in contact with you. Mm-hmm. He 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 spent the money he invested to get out to you, meet you in person. Right. And then he went above and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he really did all the professional manner, you know, the um, Very you know professional. I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? The the formal stuff, giving right. you a gift, all that all that stuff really matter. All the stuff yeah. your parents teach you when you're a kid, like that shit really yeah. matters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that go even though it's hip hop and rap, like it's the same, you know, it goes with it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was it was all good, and like after after a year of building, I showed improvement, and his his you know his return on his investment was like a <laughs> hundredfold, yeah. like mm-hmm. like because now like 
man, he's already he's already on Billboard number one albums, gold and platinum Word. producer. He's he's worked with like he his resume right now is now placed him at one of the top producers in France mm-hmm. by far. Nobody's nobody's touching him in the in the in the rap scene in France, and and it's going to continue to be that way because he's Pipe signed to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's signed to me. And like, since he signed to me, I'm not sending the work to like Joe Schmo. Like, yo, can you play keys on this? Yo, mm-hmm. can you can you get, do the piano on this? Nah, I'm gonna send it right to him, and he's gonna get on every single thing I work on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So like, that's that's you know that's the way it's it's good for my business, and it's good for his business, and also like he's growing my business in in his city and where he's at because you know. We're already getting placements out there, getting stuff, getting stuff cracking out there. So it's good luck. One thing we talk about here at Producer Grind is, you know, to be a boss, because people just throw that term around, right? To be a boss, one thing you have to do is put other people in positions to boss to up. Win. Yeah, to yeah. win, to boss up, to eat. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really dope of you. Not just you guys are making dope music, but now you're helping him grow his business. Oh, yeah. I, I already, there's there's a couple, there's 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 a big producer. I'm not going to say his name, but he's in, he's in France. And I told him, yo, we're gonna take that man's, we're gonna, we're gonna step on his neck. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take his shine. We're, we're coming for his position. No like, yeah, like we're coming for it. And and you're gonna take that slot and you're gonna be able to sign producers out there. And then you're gonna be getting the albums and the mm-hmm. budgets and you're gonna be doing all that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a fact. Like that's that's the only way I look at look at shit. So so there's not only like we're gonna be doing our thing out here, but we're gonna we're gonna take that in France too. Hey so, man, if a, if a producer from France can pay that international flight, book a house facts. for a month to pull up on Street Runner, man, anybody in the states can can buy a little two three hundred dollar flight to Atlanta and come just see what you could do for a week. You know what I'm saying? For real. Yeah, yeah, that's and facts. that's any city. Go to New York. Go to Cali, yeah. LA. The grind is like wherever the grind is at is where you want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if it, like I, you know, even even though I'm established, I got to make trips to Cali for like Show face. a few trips a, week, a year, you know, stay out there for like five days and grind. Like I have to, you know, the, I, I, I get some, I get some great business out there. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's business that you can't email to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to go face to face, hand to hand. Meet these people and chop it up. You know what I'm saying? And then they're gonna remember you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially if you're a cool person. Be a real sure. be a real person. For sure. One hundred percent. So speaking of Tariq, um, he's credited as a co-producer on Lamborghini Trucks. Lamborghini Trucks. Which is the new joint um yeah. uh from two chains from the uh the play Don't Care Who Makes It. That's the one you did, right, bro? Yeah, yeah. I we I was yo, honestly, like that track came by surprise because um and it came out quick. And like I, I didn't really believe Chains when he said, "Yo, I'm dropping this next week." Because like <laughs> we've done so many dope records, and I'm like, they're just in the vault. They've been in the vault for years, and I'm talking joints with like with with Diddy, joints with Neo. Like they're just sitting in the vault, and I'm like, "Yo, when are these songs coming out? Like they're so fire!" Like like picture picture like the Neo joint. It sounds like Two Chains on a reasonable doubt vibe Damn. with Neo singing the hook and, and two chains rapping real dope, like real hip hop rap shit. Like he spent bars. It's so dope. So two I mean, he's got bars. Though. No, yeah, he's he dope. He, he he's really a super does. dope rapper. So, but uh, I hit two chains up randomly. Cause I was like, 
you know, I saw you, I, I saw you was in Atlanta. I was like, yo, I got new heat. And he was like, pull up. I was like, shoot me the address. Right. And I packed up, got, got all my shit together, went to the studio. And he was recording one of the songs for for that for that EP at that point, and and it was cool because like he was like when he finished he was like yo I I need some shit I need that classic I need that classic joint but here's here's the 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 qualifications he's like it's got to sound like a sample but it can't be a sample mm. I want to be able to talk that shit and but we can't clear it because we're gonna put it out quick mm. and I was like all right cool. And I just started going through my, I went through my, and one thing with, with, with Two Chains, you can't play beats at all. Like, he gets mad. What you mean? What do you do? You got to put on headphones. You got to privately hear him. It's like, <laughs> if he hears a beat, it sparks an idea. And he wants, to, and he wants to rap right away. So, so like, literally, I put, like, I spent, like, because he was still recording, I put, like, for like an hour, I was like, I'm going to put together the meanest playlist of sample-free, soul sample sounding beats that yeah. I have. Spent an hour. And and I was ready. And then even after that hour, I stepped, started, kept contemplating, yo, maybe I'll put this one in there. <laughs> so so finally, he, he was ready to hear it. And it was the first beat I played, man. Like, <laughs> he even, like, he didn't even get to the other beats. <laughs> damn. I was like, damn. I kind of wanted to see what he thought of the other beats too, well, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But fuck it, he picked that first beat. So and those choirs, can you talk about those choirs a little bit? Oh, those choirs are a secret, the, man. I can't talk about those Damn. choirs. What, well, okay, so I just want to know the the is it a singer or so one of them is is it a singer? Oh yeah, yeah, the singer is uh, Satara. Okay, she's the one going going saying the higher, higher, higher parts. Yeah, yeah. that's Satara. I. I think I, I had her, I, I, I think I hit her up and I was like, yo, send me some vocals, just saying some shit, like, you know, and and just 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 whatever you feel, like, and that's what she came up with. And and it was like probably like a minute and a half long what she sent me. But like those are the pieces that got chopped up. And um and uh I discovered her on Instagram too. Super okay. dope voice. Um <clears throat> and uh so that 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 was that, and then and then Tariq played, um, you know, the keys that made that shit like, you know, f- catch that vibe. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I like to really mesh it and like make it sound like a soul sample. Mm. So like, I get everything and I kind of run it through all my filters and do all my tricks to it. Then I did the drums and and, and made that shit sound real crazy. Mixed it, formatted it. And um, yeah, that's that that beat that beat was actually being shopped around for a minute. Like I I don't know what was taking so long for a rapper to jump on it, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad Two Chains got on it. It's it's fire ass uh, song. So hell yeah, it's been in rotation on our official Spotify, our official producer grind Spotify playlist, The Spill. Um, Lamborghini trucks, man. This it's, it's been my joint, but also on the spill, we got our official Street Runner playlist uh, for our producer grind on our Spotify channel, man. And uh, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on that, man. I remember I had put some things yeah. together, I sent it to you. Is it okay? Is it okay if I say you co-curated it? 
I guess. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I need credits there. But, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it makes us look good, man. <laughs> but uh, Lamborghini truck is at the top of the list, man. Um, we got How Long, yeah. Fat Joe and Remy. It's, 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 I know you wanted to like touch on like a, a bunch of different vibes, but like, I know like some of my top works would have been like probably like Two Chains Yuck. That would, that, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, you know, like fuck with that track. Um, that was a good one. And and then with Fat Joe, I know So Excited is the new single, and that's that's dope. But a lot of people, uh, they they love that Fat Joe record. I did uh, the intro to All or Nothing, which was like that real epic soul sample. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Homie went on to rap on it, and make a, another song with it. Uh, Don Don Trip. I think his name was yeah did he did a song on it so um but you know definitely uh meek mill made it from nothing's a dope ass record um shine is classic gossip 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 is a personal classic because uh that gossip, was gossip i, could, I gotta get gossip, gossip story gossip i always gotta tell this story because gossip is legendary so gossip yeah. wouldn't exist if one day I didn't get called to the studio by Mac Main to just vibe and play tracks. And and Tez was there, G. Robeson was there, and Angel was engineering. And like Tez, when I, when I walked in, you know, I was just listening to the vibes they were playing and shit. But when when Tez intro- introduced me to G. Robeson, he was like, he was like, yo, this is Street Runner. He did that one night only. He did that Run with Trouble, Rapa Pom Pom. And G. Robeson was like, oh shit, them records is fire. And I was like, yo, y'all, y'all talk about that, but man, there's this one song you never talk about that's like fire that we got in the can. And 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 he was like, well, what song is that? I was like, gossip. And he's like, gossip. <laughs> I never heard of gossip. And I was like, nah, trust me, gossip is a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and and what's funny about gossip is Wayne recorded it in December. Um, must have been like a random day in December. It was close to the holidays. Mm. Recorded it, never bounced it, never opened it again. And it escaped the leaks. That was, I think, in 2005, I want to say. It was either, no, no, I'm wrong. It was the end of 2006. Mm. He recorded that. The very end, December of 2006. So it survived the 2007 leaks like when like two, 2007 came around, shit just started leaking like a like it was a fucking waterfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I music that. in 2007, it was crazy. I was losing records left and right. There was Damn. a point where I had four records on the card of three, and them shits was just going Phew. one by one, scratching them off. Like Tess showed me his phone. Look at the track listing. You're on there four times, and I was like, yo, because that would have been fucking life changing yeah. right there. So back then, you know, with all the drops, there was no like monetization with streams and stuff like that. So that was just Hell a complete no. loss. Yeah. Hell no. You took an L on that shit. Completely. Yeah. Besides the street cred and like being able to tell people Damn. like, because, you know, people, people tell me now that I'm this, that I'm this soundtrack to their middle school, high school. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, yeah, that's L. Because, you know, Mob Deep was my soundtrack. Nas was my soundtrack. Wu-Tang was my soundtrack. So like to be somebody else's soundtrack, I I was like, yo, that's just dope. <laughs> Some legendary shit, you know. Yeah. But like, so gossip, that particular song right there, like, was just like safe. And like Angel was like, yo, 
this shit ain't leaked. Nobody ever heard it because it ain't been open since December of 2006. Damn. And I was like, yo, please open it. Play it. Let's go. And, yo, they heard that shit. Tez lost his fucking... Lost he, oh, his Cortez had heard it? Nobody heard it. Damn. Nobody heard it. And the only reason I knew it existed was because I made the beat and it was fire. And his engineer was called me up. His engineer, Drew, at the time... Um, called me up and was like, whatever you do in life, <laughs> do not give nobody this beat. Because mm. Wayne murdered it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, done. So I put it up just like just like he put it up. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just basing my conversation off the hype that Drew threw me because Drew knew all the shit I produced because mm-hmm. he, he, he knew I did the one night. He, he was there for all of that. He knew all the heat I produced. So, but when he called me up and told me that shit, I knew it was no game. So I, I, I knew that his cosign was enough for me to know don't fuck up with that beat. So fucked around and, uh, and, uh, you know, Played it. Tez lost his shit. G. Roberson was like, Jesus Christ. Mac Man was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so like, <laughs> yo, so like literally within five minutes of playing that shit, Tez game plan the whole situation and how that's going to go down. Like Tez was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to mix and master this. We're going to have him perform this at the BET Awards. This is going to be like the biggest shit ever. We're going to premiere it at the BET Awards. That's why. And that's what they did? That's what they did. That's why if you watch the BET Awards, it's I think the 2006 BET Awards. If you watch it, when Wayne comes out and fire's going off and he's performing that shit, yo, everybody in the crowd, their jaws dropped because they're like, what the fuck is happening right now? What is this song? I never mm. heard it in my life. Because this is a point where like, like, if Wayne dropped a song, everybody heard it. Yep. They're like, this shit is fire. Like, yo, the, the Wayne movement was fucking climatic at that point. That's like, when it he was like, kind of reshaped himself and he had nothing but bars. Yeah. So, and that was a song about him barring it up, like killing shit. So, so like, and, and, um, you know, the energy was super raw for the performance. He, he <clears> did it on my two track from my, that was the two track from my MPC 2000 Excel. Straight up, him performing at the BET Awards right wow. there, and then he, um, he, uh, the way he performed it was just super raw vocally. You know what I'm saying? It's super dope. Uh, I feel like in the mix process, it got a little polished up. Might have lost a little of that edge, but um, but something that that was really dope was um, it went on that that December of the of of of. 07, it became part of a Leaks EP, which had other like fire ass records on it. It had five songs. That's the the Carter, Carter Three Leaks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was my shit. So, so those leaks, which came out in 07, ended up being attached to the Carter Three as a deluxe edition. Oh, okay. So I feel like that was like one of the first like kind of deluxe edition type things, you know what I'm saying? So I got. Play, playing with fire on the album and then gossip on the deluxe edition. Word. You That's know what I'm saying? saying? And that one came out like that that leak shit that that came out like on iTunes and that, that was on iTunes before iTunes was really like a big deal. Like that was 07 iTunes, you know what I'm you saying? Just buy but it. that yeah. was still a monetized situation. Oh yeah, yeah, I got yeah. paid for that. That yeah. was that was like 
that was that was a great look. Got right. paid for it, you know, royalties, publishing, <clears throat> all that shit. That so that you know, so yeah, I I lost like ten joints. Yeah, but I started getting it in and making it on all these dope Lil Wayne albums, which was you know so beneficial for my career. You know what I'm saying? So all part of the grind, man. That's uh, what we're here for. <laughs> in today's climate, like if if you were you know head of a label or whatever, or you had some artists. Now, going back to what you're saying, a lot of those records were held for years or, you know, longer or stuff like that. Yeah. In in today's climate, in today's industry, would you be still sitting on records that long or you just put, would you just say put them out? I mean, my, my thing is, is equal to or greater than like if, if, if say Lil Wayne raps on a beat and, and he's like, yo, hold that for me. It would have to be like Jay-Z, Kanye West. Or somebody on that level to have to be able to maybe bump me away from from the little Wayne record. You know mm. what I'm saying? Granted, I'm gonna also say this, it's kind of not fair to even say that because of the Lil Wayne situation with with cash money and how he can't put out music the way he <clears throat> used to. Mm-hmm. Cause like, and that that's hurt the culture. Cause like yeah. straight up, like we've probably missed in this amount of time, like at least two to three Wayne albums. You know, in all actuality, I can't even say Wayne because like that, if, if Wayne was active in like dropping music, like legit, like he would have been dropped like two to three albums by now. And you know, a lot of, that's a lot of hits producers ain't get. That's a lot of, you know, uh, historical shit that is, it can't happen because of the, the, the situation with Wayne, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, Wayne could be dropping some monumental shit right now. You know what I'm saying? Like he could be dropping another classic, you know, like think about it. If Jay-Z got caught up and couldn't drop his black album, his, you know, or his blueprint two black album and this album, that album, man, we would have missed some of that culture. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, I mean, and body of work matters when you're judging, you know, greatness. Right, right. So, I mean, granted, Wayne don't doesn't lack in a body of work because his work ethic is crazy. Like, it's, it's out of here. So, um, but but you know, to make a long story short, like if if anything, if if I were to, um, if I were to shop a beat, it would have to be an artist that's equal to or better or equal to or greater than. And then I might consider it like, yo, I gotta get this heat off. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like most of the times, man, I'm I'm just like, um, I, I make so much music, I make so many beats, and I try to compete with myself and make better and bigger. Mm. So it ain't nothing. Who is your favorite producer? RZA. RZA. Very simple. He ain't even yeah. have to think about that. <laughs> RZA. I could I could give you my top five. RZA. DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Havoc, and Swiss Beats, top mm. five. Then they would go into Kanye West, Just Blaze, No ID, um, a couple other guys, maybe even Jay Dilla, throw Jay, Jay Dilla in there, because uh, there's certain things about him that influenced me. Or, um, we were having an intense conversation kind of before we started recording about kind of what qualifies a producer to have that kind of goat status, right? right. And, and you even Credits said- of all time. Right, and you even said like, I'm I, I'm not even a goat, right? So, I, yeah, not yet. I will be. Facts, right? Hell yeah. I will be. But can you talk about like, what, what's your kind of criteria to be goat status? Goat status to me is like, um, first of all, the albums you're involved in gotta be the most iconic albums of all time. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that that that's where like the Illmatics come in, the Reasonable Doubts come in. That's where the blueprints, like we're talking albums that, you know, matter. You know what I'm saying? You can't be on albums that don't matter and be a GOAT. It's just a fact. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't be on an album that sells 10,000 copies and be a GOAT. Like you got to be on the albums that people care about. People want to hear that album. It becomes like a piece of history in this music shit. You know what I'm saying? And like that's, that's, that's the first thing to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so like, you know, that's, that's, that's the first criteria. The second one, of course, certain, certain records that like impact the game. Like yeah. I was talking about Shook One's part two, like one of the greatest hip hop beats of all time. Yeah. People can't argue with me. Of course, like, ah, nah, Shook One's part two isn't, isn't, isn't as good as this or that, but it's, if it's not as good as Damn near neck and neck. Yeah. You can throw on, you know, at the right event, right venue, Shook One's part two, even Survival of the Fittest. Like, you know, sh- you know, like these are all like <clears throat> records that are like insane. Cream, throw on cream, like <laughs> DJ Premier kicking the door or 10 Crack Commandments. These beats are out of here. Oh, that man. was Primo, 10 Crack yeah. Commandments? 10 Crack Commandments, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm, oh, man. I'm younger, man. Come on. Jesus Cut Christ. Me a it's, bit. it's weird with the Primo. Like, like there's songs where like I go back and listen to it with the producer's ear that I never thought about right. looking at from producer perspective. You realize, oh, that's Primo. All day. Oh, and, and let, me, let, me tell, let me tell young producers this. I listen to today's music. It's annoying. I listen to it. <laughs> I, my wife gets annoyed by it. I listen to it. I embrace it. I sometimes you love some to. of that shit. But I always hit that reset button, you know what I'm saying? And like, I always go and revisit the classics. I get in my, I get in my head like, yo, I got to listen to Reasonable Doubt. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I have to. Because there's a certain sonics that you get from Reasonable Doubt that you ain't fucking getting <sighs> none of this music. And if you, can t- if you can take just a fucking element of those sonics and apply it to what you do today or what's hot today... Boom, you're making some next level shit. That's what I do. Um, People ask me, what the fuck are you doing? How are you doing it? Why are but you But you gotta be dope to do it. You yeah. gotta be dope. You know what I'm saying? But you gotta have vision. You know what I'm saying? And the way you get vision is by listening and training yourself, training your ear. Like I grew up on this stuff, I know, but like it's not too late for somebody else to train their ear and like get this vision. You know, I didn't magically know how to make drums and and make shit sound hot. It took my ear like to like be trained to to be able to do that. But well, you were going crazy because you had the samples with the eight oh eights. You weren't just doing boom bap. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. I I would do boom bap too. I would do a mixture of everything. But the thing is though, what 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 is what? Yeah, I guess it's tough because like it's like what is boom bap? You know what I'm saying? When, when the eight oh eight starts to get melodic, even if you got boom bappy drums, to me yeah. that's when you kind of get. I mean, that's just my. Oh, opinion. I got when you. When you getting out you. of boom bap, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you had the New York mix with South kind of, you know right, what I'm saying? You right, know what I'm saying? right. I got you. I, I'll say from a sonic perspective, one thing. Um, all right, do you know Amon Jackson? Um, he does Salem oh, songs. Oh, AJ, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, AJ. So I did a session with him and he taught me something that made sense. He was like, a lot of times, don't think of sampling for the sake of using the sample, but think about it for the sonic character, right? Right. And so he was showing me, like, giving me ideas like, Take a regular sample pack, but run it through something to make it sound like a sample. But give mm-hmm. it that kind of same oh, yeah, sound that's, character. That it gives it gives your tracks texture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what today's music 
a lot of it lacks in is texture because you get these really thin sounding beats and they don't lack, they lack in the warmth that what we would listen to on Life After Death, on yeah. Illmatic, on on Reasonable Doubt, on, on these huge iconic albums. That's why I tell people, if you start training your ear to know both sides, new and old, it's gonna make you way better at this shit because at the end of the day, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but hip hop always does this 360 thing and revisits. Like it always does. There's no like fashion and shit. Yeah, it's it, very it, similar it's, fashion. It, it always comes back around. Even when Joey Badass first came out, he started coming out with the boom bap, and he still does it a little bit today. He touches on it, and it's hot. It's the it's the nostalgia of hip hop. Like, how could you not think that shit is dope? You know what I'm saying? But you know, I've also seen Joey turn up too, and that's dope too. He's spent yeah. bars turning up, cool. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's to me like um. You got to have that fine line. You got to know how to ride it, and and, and you got to also just have endless knowledge of of what's what in in music. Like, listen to everything. And hip hop's the number one music in the world right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like you go back to when rock was the number one music. Just because you listen to Nirvana didn't mean mm-hmm. you listen to Blink One Eighty Two or you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, of course. And, yeah. and there's multiple genres now within hip hop. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and just because, you know, everyone that's young is listening to, you know, like Smoke Perp and Trippy Red type shit. Yeah. You still got the older crowd. Hey, yo, Trippy you know Red, I've seen him. He has bars. No, Trippy goes hard. Yo, I've seen him spit bars. And I think one of his EPs he put out on 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 iTunes, like he's just spazzing out, spitting bars. And it sounds like him, I've witnessed him and Extension spit like they were part of the early Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like... Dex, you, they don't Dex do gives it. a lot of uh, credit to the uh, older style. Too. Yeah, and they don't do it much. And then, and then, uh, who's the other one down with X? Uh, is it? It's not Smoke Perp. It's like, might be. It's the one that kind of has the influence of Busta Rhymes. Mm-hmm. He slump, slump, slump. God, ugly guy, slump God. No, it's not ugly guys. I don't know. One of these guys who's down with him, yo. He, Someone in the comments will say who his is. flows. Yeah. His flows is stupid. Like, like I've seen him go in. I think he's fucking with Timberland too. Oh, wow. So like, his flows are stupid. Like, I love that shit. So you look. This is the see. This is the thing. Like, I'm not that old. I guess some people might call me an OG, but I'm definitely not an OG yet. But because I'm still, I'm still like. I'm still I'm still on the come up right now. Like so, but like my thing is is like I embrace it all. And I find the good. Like, like you can be like kind of mad and like, oh, rap sucks now, but nah, there's plenty of good in it. Look at what Royce and Premier just dropped. Like yep. that shit is fire. You know what I'm saying? Royce is dropping an album, and I guarantee you that shit is gonna be stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got you got people like Two Chains. You got you got people like Kanye's working. You know that's just gonna be. You just gotta find the heat. You know what I'm saying? Like find the shit that 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 that's incredible and just rock with it. You know what I'm saying? So like it's out there. What are you listening to right now? Um, I listen to Kendrick Lamar like a motherfucker like crazy. Kendrick Lamar, uh, J Cole. Uh, Joey Badass. I fuck um, with Joey Heavy. That last last year's album was dope. Meek Mill. Meek yeah. Mill, I, even though I produce for him, like I listen to that shit a lot. Like I love his his energy. Is at a million. Um, uh, you like Pusher? I listen to Adila. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I actually listen to Adila a lot. 
Shouts out to a dealer. Shout out to a dealer. Shout out to a dealer. Shout out to Maybe next time. I am the most played artist on his playlist. Yeah, she's in, she's in like, because like I buy all the music I make. I buy it. Oh, yeah, you have to. Yeah. So, so, like, we did a road trip to Florida, and it's like nine hours. And like her shit literally plays like every thirty minutes in my when I shuffle my music. <laughs> you know, I have I have like two thousand songs that I purchased on iTunes. Yeah. But it's a lot of money. <laughs> I buy music, Word. and people should buy music. Should, like, yeah. don't, what about yeah. Apple Music? You pay nine nine nine, you get everything. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. You're a producer. You make beats. Guess what? The the subscribers who pay nine nine ninety nine who play your music a million times are paying you like a quarter of a penny or something every spin. Not even a quarter of a penny. No, it's a fraction a of tenth a cent. of a penny or something like that. It's like a it's like a point zero 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 two three cent. It's a fraction of yeah. a penny. When they compared EXO Tour Life for um, Uzi, like the amount of spins it got, just he made like nine hundred thousand dollars off the actual streams. Right, and it's just like, it but was, he got a multiple, like probably like billion streams. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he got a stupid. It amount didn't of seem streams. to ma- the money didn't seem to match up with the number of right. times. So, so played. think about it. Somebody, somebody played this shit a billion times, and and you made that money. Cool, but like think about what royalties are on like a million sold, two million sold. Yeah. Like like the royalty rate, even for us as beat makers, think about it like this. I'm gonna just. Throw some business out there. If a song sold a million copies, all right, as us as a producer, one song, million copies, we're going to, depending on if we sampled or not, but just off our royalty rate, 3% to 4% of our royalty rate, that are three points to four points on our royalty rate, we're going to make anywhere on the low end from 30,000 to the high end of 60 to 80,000. You know what I'm saying? And then that's just our royalty rate. All that shit goes in the garbage when people stop buying your music. So yeah. we lose all that money right oh, there. Yeah. So if you if they if they get rid of the format of of uh, selling on iTunes one song that can sell millions of physical copies or an album that could sell mills, millions of of physicals, we lose a chunk of our financial income, especially of as an established producer, what you can make. Or, you know what I'm saying? Um, the only the only way I can picture counter counter reacting that <laughs> is bumping up the advance higher. You know? Mm. <clears throat> but that's the only way. Well you know Cassius J was on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how people are starting to take projects straight to streamers i know you know chance themselves yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. you know I, I think you're gonna see more of that maybe that and and if those artists are are responsible and honest and they pay you your royalties cool that work out great but like we're talking about like a difference of an album making ten dollars or an album making a fraction of a cent yeah you know what i'm saying <clears throat> like and think about it like this that 999 <clears throat> gets split amongst the executives the labels yeah like that's not really generating for even the artists like that you know what i'm saying like an artist will stream a million times a hundred million times they still didn't make shit like they made a few thousand dollars they didn't make shit mm-hmm. like maybe they might be upwards into you know a higher royalty rate at a hundred million, but still not. It's still it's still not the same as selling a million copies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I always say if you're a producer, man, go the Cali route. 
just put out music. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you got that, yo, know, that let me tell you something. It ain't easy to get these rappers to rap on your shit. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Dilla can co-sign that with her little experience on on putting her project together. She got like six, what nine rappers on there? Nine rappers. Nine rappers on there, and six songs. And like that was a over a year process for six songs to like get the verse. Yeah. You know, who's let me get this verse? It's like you gotta contact them over and over again. They're on tour, yeah. they're doing this, they're doing that. They're and then busy. if you wanna shoot the video, that's a whole other Sometimes thing. Sometimes you gotta mm-hmm. go get them and be in the studio with them. And yeah, shooting the video, that's a whole nother. It was worth it though. I just wanna say that. It's worth and it. I loved all nine rappers. Okay, so that's that's Adila saying she loves all nine rappers. That is worth it. I mean, shout out to Fat Joe, Sky Zoo, Torre. Okay, Kim, she's Kim, shouting Kim, everybody Kim, out. Hey, cool. That's G-R. a hell of a list. KGR, yeah. man. Yeah. Shout out to KGR. John Connor and Clever John Scott. Connor. Yeah. yeah. My, my artist 38 Special actually uh, got an EP in the cut with KGR. We actually were out in the Poconos in the studio for like a week with KG. Okay. Yeah, it was real dope, man. Yeah, that's yeah. where they're at. AZ's on there too. Uh, Nori's on there. Uh, Word. Who else is on there? Uh, Cormega. I love, yo, by the way, shout out AZ. I feel yeah. like he's one of the most slept on. Slept on. Iconic rappers in the, in, in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, Do or Die is by far the follow-up to Illmatic and one of the greatest albums. Mm. And affirm the group that never was. If you haven't listened to Do or Die, I highly recommend you do. Nah. Man, I'm I'm listening to all the the, the young people stuff, man. Yo, man, let me tell you Uh, something. I I respect that. Listen to Lil Peep and and Lil Peek (laughs) and Lil Sneak and Lil G. Listen to all the little guys. But, yo, go listen to... take, take, take Take a couple weeks. Not Not off. But take a couple weeks where you're like, right, I'm going to check this song out. I'm going to check this album out today. Or, reasonable Doubt. Listen mm, to it. Like, just when I, I think of Reasonable listen Doubt. Listen to how they would put albums together to where the, the, the it just all matched. You could just listen play, listen to Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style. The skits matter back then. Listen to Chronic. I hate skits. You hate, but I hate skits. No, 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 no. I want to hear the music. Thing. This is the thing. Albums told stories. It was part of the movie. It was. It was you. part of. It, like I know everybody's. Uh, I, you're a young man. I know you want to microwave that shit. Put that shit out fast. <laughs> See, yesterday, bro. Yesterday, I came skip. In, you're like one minute in the song. Skip. Nah, for skip, real. Skip, I don't even skip. listen to the whole song. Yo, no more, man. I, I came in the office. They thought I was crazy. Logic on uh, the Bobby Tarantino too. He okay. has a skit with the two characters from uh, Rick and Morty. Right. I thought that was so fucking dope, right? right. Because it, it kind of tells the story, right? They're like arguing about what to play in the spaceship. And I started playing it. I know they're probably like, "What is he doing?" I was like, "Cause nobody does skits anymore." More, right? right, and they do really tell the story. It's kind of like the artist reminding you, like, this is what the fuck we doing right now. Now drop this next shit, and that's how it used to be, man. Yeah, right. and 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 if you listen to these albums, man, how great they are, how how amazing everything just flows together. Like the Fuji's oh was a good one. Fuji's is not, yo, and not, not for nothing. People are sampling these people. People, Joel Santana just flipped. Um, with with uh what's uh, uh that that dope ass artist a boogie with the hoodie mm-hmm. flipped that song from from Jay Z's uh it's not it's I think feeling it it's either Jay Z's feeling it or or um or dead presidents it might have been dead presidents okay. it's one of those joints one of the piano Jay Z joints I I gotta hear it and, and I don't know but like you go back to those those albums man like they're going to influence other sounds other ideas other productions that you wouldn't normally do it's mm-hmm. a fact it one of the things happening. that was dope about reasonable doubt was 
see what people forget was the context, right? So Reasonable mm-hmm. Doubt stands out, but there was other albums out at that time. One thing that they did sonically was all these albums are coming out with tons of samples. They weren't filtering them. They weren't being uh, mastered the same. Well, they weren't being mixed and mastered the same. They were on actual boards yeah. that they had. So it had a certain buzz, certain hum, certain mm-hmm. hisp about them and and certain rawness to the production. Now, we we can give a shout out to uh, the Bootcamp Click, Buckshot, yeah. and DJ Evil D and, 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 and his partners for their production. Because I feel like they were like, yeah, on on the yeah. edge of like that whole filtered sound, like when you listen to a Smith and Wesson record, their hook would have the sample playing, but their verses would have it filtered. filtered out, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it would be just drums raw, filtered sample, mm-hmm. and then the hook would come in and the sample would come back in. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, these are these are all you know influential projects that but like, like like reasonable doubt when it came out when they were all coming out they had such a cleaner sound that's what made it like clean dope. clean but but thick what, what it is what the word is is warm because like they they were actually doing it on hardware like the mix yo to mix a song back then it would take like days and and you had to recall it on the board everything had to be the same if you had to do a recall like they, and then not to mention, they transferred it to two inch tape. Mm-hmm. When they do their mix down, their bounce would go to two inch tape. The two inch mm-hmm. tape would go to mastering. Wow. I mean, this is a whole nother world. Change. And like, this is the thing though, for you to avoid your mind and your ears of listening to that. See, cause like, this is the thing. I listen to so much shit because I make hip hop music. I listen to samples from the 70s, so I know what soul samples sound like. I know what a string section should sound like. I know what pianos with strings should sound like to sound hip hop, Mm. to sound like, so I got that. Then I got the element of the 90s. I even got some element of the 80s, you know what I'm saying? Of, Of just knowledge of the 80s music. And then you just apply it to today and you end up like sonically sounding better than a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's important, man. I mean, everybody, anybody who stayed on this interview for this long, I highly recommend it. It's gonna, you're going to see if you're a producer, your sound's going to grow. You're going to get fucking better. Trust me. You know right, what so, I'm so lastly, we got the um factor. The uh, um factor, which <laughs> runner. run her. How are you going to know if I do it? We're gonna hear you. Oh, we got a, well, time we got a timer. And then we do, we do in post. We do in a post, so we'll catch you. So the um factor, uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast. See, this is the thing. I, I, already did like, I already did like mad rants. And like, I feel like maybe some of those might not have had. Yeah. Let's go. No, no, no. Let's go. No, 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 no. I got one for you. Okay. We, I got, this is what we're going to do. And, and this will be a good one because we got a lot of listeners who might not be familiar with the NPC, okay. right? So 30 seconds, everything you could tell us about using the NPC 2000. Can that work? Try. Yeah. So, so he, so he, so for those of you that aren't familiar, he has, he has to fill up the entire 30 second time without stopping, without saying, um, or ah, and tell us everything he knows about. I feel like I need a sip of water. I I feel like I'm getting nervous. (laughs) My mouth is drying out right now. Nah, that's all right, man. You 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 do a lot of stuff. So you ready? Let's go. All right. 30 seconds with street runner, the um factor go. You get an NPC 2000 XL, you turn that bitch on. It ain't gonna have no sounds in it. So what you gotta do is you gotta get sounds. 
You got to sample. You got to dig for records. You can even sample a cassette tape, a CD. It don't matter. You got to get sounds in it. You got to sample drums. You got to you gotta get the, 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 the textures, everything into the MPC in order to make a beat. You got 16 pads on each section. There's four sections. Two, so 64 one. pads total. Street Runner, you have passed the unfactor. Good job. We got it, you got it. Good job. I, I, man, I ain't gonna lie, I ain't know if you was gonna be able to do it, bro. No, I like that strategy. I see how he did it. Hey, yeah. yeah, so you started from the beginning. So we appreciate you uh, being on the show, brother, man. As always, thank no you doubt, for your man. time, man. You've been very generous with the knowledge and the information and everything. Yeah, I dropped man, some so. gems on them. <laughs> if anybody made it through the whole thing, because I know these hours it's tough to sit through when you when you when you listen to all this knowledge. But yo, I'm telling y'all, visit embrace the culture, visit, revisit, and and YouTube, man. I wanna hear next time I next time I sit with you, you listen to Chronic ever in your life? Yeah, come oh, on. Oh, thank God. Snoop Dogg Doggy Style? Yeah, Ooh. come on. Okay. Summer, all right. summer, 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 summer Camp 92. Me, me, me saying I'm listening to all this young stuff, that's just me being a marketer, me being a businessman. Okay. I'm just trying to mirror the common customer right now, the common, whatever, right. you know what I'm saying? The mainstream shit. I'm just would trying you, to get in the mindset. You you would have to say, though, one in this generation, one of the greatest albums to drop in the past five years, undeniably, Good Kid, Mad City, Kendrick Lamar. Not a big Kendrick fan at all. Wow. I knew you were going to say that. I don't, like, I don't really like you? lyrics. I don't like, I don't like uh, conscious rap. My God. I don't like conscious Holy rap. Holy shit. There's a, there's a like, okay. I, I don't know if this will make it on camera, but there's like an inner debate. There's part of the staff is okay with backpack rap uh, and part okay, of the staff Okay, but this isn't. is the thing though. He's not a backpack rapper. He's telling you a story. He's telling you his story and it's dope. It's like 50 Cent when 50 Cent came out with Get Rich or Die Trying. He had a story. He was kind of telling it, but yeah, he was giving fifth, you hit fifth records. was way more, sh- you know what I mean? Street. More hustler street. like Hustler street, but there's still street elements to Kendrick that, that like if you listen to the whole album. And this is the thing, what's super dope about Good Kid, Mad City, that shit is like a fine wine. It got better with time. Mm-hmm. Like when I first got it, I listened to it and I was like, all right, it's cool. But like six months later, I threw it back in. I was like, yo, this shit is fucking amazing. And then a year after that, this shit is, this is the album right here. This shit is retarded. So like, and then like, it just kept getting better and better. And it has to do with how it was put together, how it was sequenced, mm-hmm. how the sonics, the nostalgia of putting MC8. You know who MC8 is? Mm-mm. One of the most gangster rappers of all time from the West Coast, MC8, Compton's Most Wanted. Definitely listen to his music. Definitely listen to Spice. You see Miss Society, right? Definitely mm-hmm. listen. Okay. Yo, these guys right here, these, these, yo, I seen I'm the, the, the funny version of it. <laughs> Don't be a menace. Yo, you never watch Miss Society? No. Jesus Christ. Well, oh, I wanted to talk about Juice for a second because. You I, watch Juice? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Thank God. Boys mm-hmm. in the Hood? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Okay. All right. All right. How'd you miss Miss the Society, though? I don't know. Okay. So if you're, if you like egg shit, out of the movies, Minister Society is the equivalent of the egg shit for that time. Mm. So you when should- When did it come out though? Oh, I was born in 93. Still, you watch Boys in the Hood and Juice. Yeah. Them shits is the same just, age. Yeah. He's never watched Minister Society, babe. It's all right, right? Still got it. It's <laughs> I'm on glad, Netflix. I'm glad you're here. You're making me feel young today because usually no, I'm no, the old this guy. Is, <laughs> this is the thing. Even if I, I feel like I love that shit so much that even if if- I was born in the 90s. I would need to see it just because I love rap and hip hop culture so damn much. I just love the culture. 
new, old, really old, 80s. I, I love it all. Like, I, I think Rakim's one of the greatest rappers of all time. Yeah. I'll fuck with Eric B and Rakim. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. Hell yeah. Cool. So, but hey, fam, we appreciate you being on the show, bro. No doubt. Appreciate you sharing your time with us, sharing the wisdom and the knowledge. Yes, man. sir, man. All right. So, cool. love. Oh, yeah. But signing out, another dope episode of the Producer Grind podcast. Shout out to Street Runner. Catch us next week. Peace.